Well, y'all can have a seat. What's this thing is so heavy. I got this little, little music stand where I'm from. Y'all are like, where are you from? How did you get here, sir? You are not Brian Halferty. Correct. It's a trap. It's me. Uh, my name is Matthew. I'm the lead pastor over at Anchor Lincoln. That's right. There's more than one, baby. We said double it. And soon we'll say triple it. Hold up, go to the Anchor Summit. I'm serious, go to the Anchor Summit. Anyways, my name is Matthew. I'm the pastor over there. And I'm so excited to be with you this morning up at the Central Congregation. And I get to be with you tomorrow and run my mouth a little bit more from stage. So come on, this is glorious. This is beautiful. What a beautiful day. We have been in this series called Future People. Future people, a study in Revelation. If this is your first time with us, prepare yourself because we're studying Revelation. Revelation, shin, shin, shin. It's about to go down, is what I'm trying to say. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's about to get crazy. Uh, anyways, uh, two weeks ago, we kicked it off looking at Patmos. Patmos is where the Apostle John was as he was writing this Revelation, just one of them. Just one. It's like saying the COVID though. It's incredibly cute and endearing, right? When someone says, I got the COVID, it's like, well, that's cute. <laughs> it's just COVID. <laughs> but it's, it's like when you say revelations, I love it. Um, keep doing it. Um, but the revelation of Jesus Christ, John is writing this out as he's on the sun-scorched, sun-bleached rock of a place, Patmos in exile, because he refused to worship the Caesar uh, Domitian, which I know sounds like an early 2000s Christian hip hop artist, but he's not that cool. He's not as cool as that, as you'll soon find out. And so we looked at what do we do in life when we are in Patmos? What do we do in a present Patmos or a future Patmos? And how do we put our eyes, cast our eyes on the one who transcends it all? And then last week, we looked at Jesus's words in chapters two and three of Revelation to the seven churches of Asia Minor, the major hubs of the faith throughout modern day Turkey. And he had some feedback to give these churches. And we looked at a few of those examples and then asked ourselves the question, what do we as Anchor Church, Lincoln, Central, and we'll count it online, all three of them, what do we want Jesus saying about us? What is the feedback we want from Jesus? And today we're continuing in Revelation 4 and 5. But to begin, I want to tell you a story because most of you, I mean, not most, many of you may not know me. And it's, you know, I, I totally understand why you don't know me. Um, I'm not active on the social medias. Uh, see, cute and enduring when you add an S on it. Um, and so let me give you a little glimpse into my life. I have two sons, McCoy Augustine Lyon, our firstborn son, two years of age, enjoys chaos, loves chaos, lives for it. In fact, he's very, in many cases, socially unacceptable in that uh, he tries to lift people's shirts up and screams out of pure excitement. When was the last time you met someone who just screamed out of pure excitement? What do you do with them? You scream with them. <laughs> That's what you do with them. So McCoy, he loves chaos. And then about three months ago, we were blessed with our second born, Mooney Knox Lion. I know you're like, these names are amazing. Yes, 
I concur, uh, but not trademark. So go ahead and name your next child after either one of them. Um, they will go into the history books for sure. Hopefully for good things. Um, and so I got my second born, or we got our second born, blessed with our second born, uh, three months ago. And about a month and a half into it, I felt uh, this emotion uh, called anger. Have you felt it before? <laughs> I had anger. Uh, towards this little newborn. And some of you are like, oh my gosh, anger towards a baby? It's like, yeah, you're 18. You don't have a kid yet. Like, stop tripping. Like, have a kid and then let's talk about the emotion I'm feeling with my kid. Because um, you'll understand all the parents are like, yes and amen. Pastor, preach it. Yes, we're humans too and we get angry um, as well. And so I went to see my counselor and I said, listen, counselor, my guy, I'm angry. Why am I angry towards this baby? I love this thing, but I just get these emotions. And he's like, well, let's talk about it. We talked about it. And he said, actually, Matt, what you're experiencing is not anger, it's frustration. And you're frustrated because you can't control this little dude. Can you? I said, no, I can't. I wish I could. I wish I could just for a second say, you're full now, baby. <laughs> Sleep now, child. Two fingers on eyeballs. Um, doesn't work like that. All I want is 30 seconds of silence, doc. And so he said, you can't control him. And that's where your frustration lies. Your frustration lies in the fact that you can't control, influence the situation so that you can do what you wanna do. Go mow the lawn, I don't know, eat a sandwich, anything. Like just freedom, you can't have it. And it leads to frustration. Now, I'm here to submit to you this morning that our lack of control, our desire for control, is what leads to much of our anxiety, frustration, and anger in life. We can't control a situation, so it leads us to be anxious about a situation. Or it manifests in other areas of our life. My wife knows when I'm anxious and lacking control when I start being neurotic about the chairs and how they're spaced out in the church. She's like, Matt, why are you spending an hour just trying to get the chairs perfect? I say, well, I can't control my staff. They're unruly. <laughs> they're, they're, they're on one and I can't get them off it. Uh, and so th this begins to, this frustration, anxiety manifests in all sorts of ways in our life. So this morning, what we're going to do as we look at Revelation 4 and 5 is attempt to, you know, provide or, you know, uh, give a, a remedy for our control issues. Because we all got them, right? You got them. Like some of you don't know you got it, but you got it. You got a control problem, right? You want the kids to get out of the house on time so you can get to church, get to anchor kids so you can get the best spots and the best snacks. You want to get your seat in the church, so you got to get there, but the kids, they're wilding out. Or your coworkers, they're not listening to your bright ideas and your boss keeps saying, look at how smart these other coworkers are, but here you are. You want control over these situations, but you can't get it. You can't get the total control you crave. Yes, we all have a little bit of control, but we don't have the total control we crave. And so I have a solution for you for three easy installments of 1995 and a sham you will receive Three solutions, remedies for our control problem. Typically, as preachers, we want to, you know, hook you in and pull you in and wait till about 25 minutes deep to give you the true solution. So there's that angst that's bubbling up that keeps you engaged so you're not just on the Twitters, you know, doing the tweeting and stuff. Um, but today, you know, because I'm a guest in this house, I'm going to give it to you up front. How's that sound? 
I'm just going to give you the three answers to your problems and mine up front. You ready? If you're a note taker, write this down. You ready? (laughs) What you need to deal with your control issues and live a life of peace is a throne, a scroll, and a lamb. Intuitive, right? Can I leave now? (laughs) Go back to the south end? No? I need to explain? Let me explain. Let's begin with the throne. Let's begin with the throne. Open your Bibles to Revelation chapter 4. We'll be in verses 1 through 6. After this, I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. Remember, John had just gotten done writing out the things that Jesus had to say to the seven churches. And after he was done with that, he looked, and there before him was a doorway into heaven. And the voice I had heard first speaking to me, like a trumpet said, come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. At once, I was in the spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. And the one who sat there had the appearance of jasper and ruby, a rainbow that shone like an emerald encircled the throne. Surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones, and seated on them were 24 elders. They were dressed in white, had crowns of gold on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings and peals of thunder. In front of the throne, seven lamps were blazing. These are the seven spirits of God. Also in front of the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. Could you imagine what John was experiencing in this moment? All that was around him was ocean and sun-scorched, sun-bleached rock. This 84, 85-year-old dude just out there cooking all day. And then he opens this door. This door's open for him, and he walks through it, and he sees the throne room of God. He sees the throne room of God. It's magnificent, and he describes it in the best way that he could. He describes it as jasper and ruby and crystal, and it's just emanating with light, and there's a rainbow around the whole dang gum thing, blazing like emerald. It's glorious. This is what he sees, the throne room of God. It's reminiscent of what Ezekiel and Daniel say about the throne room of God. They can't conceptualize it. They can't put it into words, so they say it's as bright as shining brass or as fire on the throne. It's glorious as if communicating how pure whoever it was who was on the throne was. In purity and holiness and righteousness, he reigns. This is what John sees on the throne, at least in this moment. What was it that John saw on the throne outside of this moment? Now, he was a follower of Jesus through and through, so he knew inside and out that God was truly on the throne. But what he would see on a day-to-day basis and what those whom he was writing to would see on a day-to-day basis was the Caesar Domitian. Domitian wanted to be worshipped as a god. Domitian, who is overseeing Rome's dominion, wanted to be worshipped as a god. And so he erected temples throughout his dominion where every citizen of Rome would go and worship him. And so you'd walk into the place and at the altar was inscribed, Caesar is Lord and God. And as you'd walk up to the altar, you would take a pinch of incense and cast it upon the altar. And you would say under your breath, Caesar is Lord. Now, John refused to do that because he knew who was on the throne. 
And that's what got him to Patmos. But this is the pressure that the Jesus followers of this day had day in and day out. They were surrounded by this man who was on the throne pretending to be God in all his vanity and pride. And so this is the contrast of God's throne and man's throne. You know, it's not just Domitian who attempts to assume the throne just to fall off it. It always has an expiration date, the throne. We want to assume it because what it represents is present control over nations, over situations, over peoples. But time and time again, throughout history, we've seen mankind attempt to assume the throne and fall down. The Assyrians, the Babylonians, the Egyptians, the Ottomans, the Huns, all have tried and failed to assume the position of the throne. China has had 83 dynasties come and go, attempting to assume the throne and falling down. Dictators and leaders throughout history, Stalin, Hitler, Saddam Hussein, all have tried to attempt to get on the throne and keep the throne and have failed. Time and time again in our vanity, we have attempted to assume the throne and have failed. People attempting to maintain present power and control over their nation and the nations around them have fallen. And it's easy to look at these examples and say, look at those bad Larrys trying to assume the throne. They can't do it. But we ourselves attempt to assume the throne daily. And I ain't talking about the porcelain throne. I'm talking about the throne of present control. I just had to make sure you were awake. I didn't believe half of you were awake because you're so quiet in this place. I mean, there's so many of you, yet you're so quiet. Anyways, daily, day by day, we try to assume the throne and exercise present control over the things that we in our frailty and our finiteness cannot assume. Control over our children. <laughs> Again, I keep going back to it because I got a two-year-old. Control over our workplace, control over our legislature, control over all of it. We want control, and time and time again, we're confronted with the reality that we can't have it the way we want it. So many of us are like, listen, if I just had control, I don't know, maybe for a day, like start talking about Bruce Almighty or something, like if I had control like that, yeah, life would be great for everybody. Most of all, me. It'd be glorious. Everyone would win, uh, except no one would win because we're sinful humans, and that would be a horrible thing if we were on the throne for a day. But we come face to face with the reality that we are not on that position of power, that seat of power. And our attempts to get there leave us anxious and frustrated because we feel like, hey, we've got to sort out the whole situation on our own. We've got to sort out the whole thing on our own, the whole problem we got to fix. we got to fix global warming right now, so I'm going to eat some tofu and get a solar panel. Count it. But then you realize that's just a dent. And then you realize you just, you just threw the pebble at it, and that's it. And so it stresses you out. It freaks you out. What am I going to do now? How am I going to move forward? 
and you, you descend like many of us into this whirlwind of anxiety. But God has something better for us than the whirlwind of anxiety. It's trust in his present control. We have to learn to trust in the present control of God, that he is with us, that he is for us, and that he is working out the best for us. And that what we see as broken and unfixable, unsalvageable, he is working in and through his church to salvage and renew and restore and make right. It's called the kingdom of God, his present rule and reign. And so the first thing we have to do in order to overcome our problem with control is realize that we are not in present control. You are not in present control. I am not in present control. That total control belongs to God and God alone who sits on his throne, unfazed by whatever we would attempt to do to scale up that way. We cannot, and he knows it, and he is good. He is righteous. He is merciful. He is loving. He is kind on the throne, unlike all those who have attempted to sit on it before him and all those who will attempt to sit on it until kingdom come. And so the throne, that's the first thing, right? We get the first thing. The present control is not ours. What's next? A scroll. A scroll. What do we do with the scroll? John, he goes on to see four living creatures. These four living creatures look crazy. They got eagle heads and wings and ox heads and wings and lion heads and wings. And one's got a man's head and wings. It's like, how did you get wings, sir? And look at all those eyeballs. You'll have to read it sometime. And then there was 24 elders. 24 elders, and they were all declaring their praise. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Holy, holy, holy. And then this is what he sees, starting in Revelation chapter 5, verse 1. Then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll, with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one, no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. Then one of the elders said to me, do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Y'all are like, this is punk rock and dope. Like, <laughs> so cool. But what's the scroll about? <laughs> what's that about? What's the scroll? This is the only scroll that we really know about, right? Until your, your thumb right here starts hurting, and then it's like, this is a problem, but you keep going because you're addicted. Um, <laughs> call a spade a spade. Listen, listen. Listen, what is this scroll about? And why does it have writing on both sides? Which we wouldn't be thinking, but they would be thinking because back in their day, a scroll just had writing on one side. What is it about? Well, the scroll, you see, it symbolizes God's sovereignty over the future. The scroll, it symbolizes God's plan and his plans to execute his plan to renew and restore that which is broken and marred by sin. This is what the scroll, scroll represents. And this is what you and I attempt to snatch on regular basis, right? We want to scratch, snatch the scroll. Why? Because it means our destiny. We can have say over our destiny. Can you imagine if you just had it for a day? The scroll for, if I had it for a day, listen, 17 vacation homes. Like I would wake up to caviar. I've never had it. 
but I heard it's something fancy people do. So I'd get some caviar up in that mug. I'd have a Lamborghini Urus, which is the SUV of Lamborghinis. Gosh, y'all ain't tracking. Okay, how about this? How about this? I would wake up tomorrow morning, 9 a.m., because I would sleep in, because <laughs> I have control over my destiny, to a six-pack, a chiseled body. But I want it in the morning because I'm finna eat good tonight, all right? Surf and turf. That's what my destiny would be. <laughs> what would yours be? <laughs> if you could just snatch the scroll, just for a moment. You see, we try to snatch the scroll and have control over our future. We plan out our future. These are all the promotions I'm going to get. And this is exactly how my children are going to be raised and how they're going to go to school <laughs> and the degrees they're going to get and the ways they're going to be doctors. <laughs> and they're never going to disobey me. <laughs> so we try to snatch the scroll and, and begin to think about our, our future and we try to solve all our problems in the future and then we begin to realize when we're in the thick of it even as we're journaling and creating a dream board that none of this will come to fruition because we don't have total control some of it might a little bit might but all in all we can't just speak it into existence i'm sorry it don't work like that and so because we don't have control over the future we trip. Because we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, we trip. Yet Jesus says, let tomorrow worry for itself. <laughs> don't worry about tomorrow. What's going on today? What's going on today? And so we attempt to snatch a scroll, and in doing so, we get caught up in the anxiety and frustration that comes with trying to have control over the future. But when we realize and we internalize the fact that God sits on his throne, holding the scroll, sovereign over the future, it allows us to breathe a little bit, doesn't it? It allows us to breathe a little bit. You know, John, he starts weeping, he starts crying because he looks and realizes as he hears the voice of the angel that no one can open the scroll. No one can expose and execute the plan of God to redeem. And then an elder says, stop, you're crying. Look, look, the lion of the tribe of Judah is approaching. Can you imagine what he was expecting? A beast of a lion, a beast of a lion, thick lion strutting up to the throne. Gently, because it's God's fingies, takes the scroll and roars really loudly. That's what I would be anticipating. <laughs> like, pecs popping, like Terry Crews type popping, lion. Assuming the scroll of the throne. Yet that's not what he sees. Oh my gosh. Can you imagine? This is, what he, this is exactly what he sees. Then I saw a lamb. <laughs> Wait, you just said there was a lion. Then I saw a lamb. Little baby sheep. Mary's little lamb. 
looking as if it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. The lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent out into all the earth. He went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, because you were slain, and your blood you purchased for God persons from what? From every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on earth. Wow. Yeah, I'm going to just put my control over there, Lord. You see, this is the magnificent thing about Jesus, is he doesn't have to come in the ways and the symbols and the images of power that we have on earth. How did he come to mankind? How did he move into our neighborhood, as one writer would say? He was born in a manger, in humility, in the most humble form of humanity, a newborn. He would grow. He would grow. The author of Paul, the Apostle Paul in Philippians 2 says that he did, not, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he humbled himself as a servant to the point of death, even death on a cross. For what? For you. To be slain for you so that your sins would not hang over your soul and your shoulders, barring you from eternal life with God, but he would free you of the weight of your sin. He would free you of the burden of your sin. He would free you from the burden of control and having to have it all worked out. He doesn't say, come to me perfect. He says, I will perfect you, you imperfect Jesus follower. This is the good news. This is the gospel that Jesus comes, not like Caesar would come with his army, not like Pharaoh would come with his chariots, but in humility he comes because he knows just how powerful he is. He doesn't need to come like mankind would come. He doesn't need to come with armor. He comes in humility, slain, seven horns representing ultimate power. Seven eyes representing ultimate, complete wisdom, he comes. This is our Jesus. This is the Jesus we worship. And this is the Jesus who is worthy of all of our vain pursuits of control. He's got us in his hand. I'm reminded of this image. Rockefeller Tower, there is this 45-foot tall statue of Atlas. Are you familiar? Atlas is the dude who's crumbling under the weight of the world, trying to hold it up. And he faces not 80 yards away St. Patrick's Cathedral where there is a three-foot statue of the Christ child holding the world in his hand effortlessly. This is our Jesus. This is our Jesus. And even still, he cares for you. He cares for you. Even still, he loves you. Even still, he's with you. Even still, he is for you. And so what do we do with our control, the little bit that he's given us? The control of our perspective, the control that we have over our attitude, our actions, our behavior. What do we do with it? We give it to the one who is worthy. That's what we do. Because when we do that, we are operating with his, his plan for the world, not our plan. And his plan is a good plan full of restoration. 
reconciliation and healing for our land. We walk in the way that he has given us to walk. This is what we do with our control. So do you see now, as we look to the throne, as we look to the scroll, and as we look to the land, the life that we can then leave, the life we can lead is one of peace. It's one of joy and it's one of purpose. And if you've yet to believe on this Jesus who has slain on your behalf so that your sins would not be a burden to you any longer, to make you whole, I wanna invite you to come to the prayer stations after this and to take communion for the first time. Allow that to be your first step into the community. And for those of you who have been following Jesus for a minute, my advice to you or my encouragement to you is this. Set your desire for total control aside and look to the throne. Look to the scroll and look to the lamb. Amen? God, we just thank you so much for the work that you are doing in our community. Lord, would you continue to refine us and remind us of your love for us and of your sovereignty. Lord, would that challenge our vain pursuits to be sovereign over our own lives. Lord, we love you, bless you, and pray all this in your mighty name, Jesus. Amen. I'm going to invite Brian and Kennedy up right now to lead us in a prayer. Thank you, guys. Wasn't that great? Thank you so much, Matt. Man, we, we have uh, riches uh, being a part of a community that is just more than this right here. Isn't that true? We have riches and uh, so great to have Matt deposit that word here. Thank you, Matt. Well, if you've been around here at Anchor, uh, you know that at the end of these teachings uh, during Revelation, we've been inviting someone up who has, speaks another language. Maybe it's a mother tongue. Maybe it's their primary language. Um, maybe it's just that they happen to speak another language by something in their life. And today we have a, a good friend, a longtime Anchor uh, person named Kennedy. And so Kennedy, uh, you grew up in Kenya. Uh, I didn't grow up in Kenya, um, big surprise. Uh, tell us about growing up in Kenya and uh, being a follower of Jesus in the language that is your uh, first language, your mother tongue. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Brad, for it's really a wonderful question. Yeah. Yeah, um, <clears throat> I grew up in a, a very tiny village, just, um, a few miles from Lake Victoria. Actually, Lake Victoria is oh, the third largest lake in Africa, um, in the world. And um, it's predominantly rural population. And um, I, would, I would see my parents go to church and uh, we would walk with them to church, but I, we didn't have, you know, a proper meaning on why really go to church and uh, I was growing up a very young boy went through primary school and secondary school then um, after several years I didn't manage to go to you know college because we were unable to do that so but you know high school life there are a lot of peer pressure and uh, a lot of challenges that comes when you're a young man and a young boy who wants to explore a lot of things in life. So then after high school, several years, around 10 years, while I was home, I met um, a man of God who actually revealed the truth to me about Jesus. Yeah, he took me 
through you know the trucks that when you accept Jesus in your life what how do you live what do you do in your daily life whom do you meet what language do you speak when you're a Christian when you're saved so he became my mentor yeah he walked me through then I got the light to go back to college again then I traveled to the United States to to do my to further my studies um, and uh, I came here on a student visa and um, it, it was kind of a breakthrough to my family because by that time I was the only person you know to step foot to a foreign land for to seek for you know studies and uh, so when I when I before I left Kenya I met or oh, my my mentor prayed for me and uh, told me something that the the dream was realized when I when I met one of a leader here she's called Susan so my mentor told me you are going to the United States and uh, you might meet somebody who will take you to a church and make sure that you hold that person with all your hands because he or she will take you to a proper place that have been praying for you wow beautiful yeah so i met susan at tcc actually i'm a student at tcc so i met her and um, she gave me a smile that i never saw when i stepped yeah into the United States and uh, she brought me here. Yeah, praise God. Yeah, and uh, I became part of her life as a mother. Yeah. She's my second mother. And uh, I came to Anka. Anka has been like a home to me. Mm. Yeah, I call this is my second home. I'm planning to move away from Tacoma but I still feel like I belong here. And yeah. This is my home. Beautiful. Yeah. Awesome. Well, one of the refrains throughout Revelation is that all tribes and tongues, that's all ethnicities, all people groups, uh, all languages, will gather around the singular one, Jesus, the one who's on the throne, who has the, has the ability to open the scroll, as Matt just shared. And so get, as a foretaste of that, that, that heavenly experience, we're giving a glimpse here and reading this prayer in both English and your first language, which is Lura? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Luo is my first language. Actually, Kenya, there are, are more than 40, there are more than 42 languages. Yeah. Yeah, there are more than 42 languages, so it means Kenya, there are more than 42 tribes yeah. that speaks different dialects. Yeah. So I come from a, I'm not actually originally a Luo. My, my dad, we were told, my dad, we are, we are from the assimilated tribe in Kenya. They are called Luo Basuba. Great. So Abasuba originally they they settled in Uganda. But then there were you know fight. They were fighting for you yeah. know the, the space was not enough. So they migrated to Kenya. Then they settled in Kenya. And so my dad is a Basuba married a Luo lady. So then we are actually treated as Luo people. Right. Yeah. So. 
Lua is my first language, actually. Thanks, Kennedy. So I'm going to read uh, in English, and uh, Kennedy's going to read in Lua. And um, uh, this is more than me reading something that we've written. It's a prayer that we're praying over Anchor. So uh, I'll invite you to, to stand up. It's going to be on the screen. You might extend your hands as a kind of, God, I'm giving this prayer to you. I'm letting this, I'm receiving this, however you want to understand it. And um, it'll be going back and forth between English and Lua. So to the one that sits on the throne, remind us daily, especially when we grasp after the control that is not ours, that you alone are worthy and that you reign. To the one that is both lion and lamb, we offer you our worship. You are worthy, O God of intimacy and power. To the one that can open the scroll, give us fresh insight by your spirit in our life so that we may follow you in your power. Amen. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you, Kennedy. We're going to stand and continue to sing before we close.